This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. A storied CFL franchise. Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and passionate following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. <laughs> 6.30 This is the Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 6.30 Chad. The ball game is over. The Eskimos trying to travel a route that no team in CFL history has had success doing, being the crossover team getting to the Great Cup. They get as far as the Eastern Final, but that is it. 35-23 the final score. The Red Blacks going to the Great Cup. The Eskimos are going home. Down to the Eskimo dressing room again, and quarterback Mike Riley joins us. Mike, thanks for your time today. Uh, you're, uh, I guess the way to start is just your emotions right now as the season comes to an end, and as in pro sports, when it ends, it ends hard and fast, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing for sure. Um, you know, I haven't, haven't felt this way since two years ago, and, uh, you know, the reality is, is that in our league, there's nine teams, and, and eight teams finish this way. Eight teams have to feel their season come to an end without a championship, and one gets to hold up that trophy, and you know, this year we're not that team, so that's disappointing. There's no question about it. Um, you know, but I'm proud of our guys, man. I'm proud of how we fought till the very end. I'm proud of all the stuff that we went through this season and, and still got to where we did. We know we fell short, but, um, you know, again, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. That's a pretty good takeaway for the 2016 Eskimos is a, a never-quit team for sure. I mean, whether it be the big picture of the season when you were down and regrouped for the final six games or several games you had comebacks, uh, even in this game today, same thing uh, this team does not give up yeah i mean we just you know we got too much pride and we work too hard all season long and in seasons past um you know I, I understand what this what this means to all of our guys in the locker room because i i see them working every single day um i see the sacrifices that they make and you know again it just it wasn't meant to be for us this year unfortunately um that's tough to accept but the fact is is that uh, ottawa was a better team today um you know they played better than us and they deserve to win that football game so um you know that's again that's the way it goes i wish them the best uh, moving forward next week but um you know this is uh this is not a good feeling it's going to take a while for it to go away uh you got you guys got to go in the second half what happened in the first half that just you guys just seem to be bogged down a little yeah bit? yeah i mean it was it was tough to get things on on track um you know, they did a nice job, Ottawa did, of, of making the plays that were available there, um, you know, in that first half. Uh, they had some opportunities, and they took advantage of it. Um, you know, we had similar opportunities, and we were just just a little bit off here or there. Um, you know, we were real close to popping some big gains, and we got down into the red zone, and, and we were 
you know, just a step away here or there from turning those into touchdowns, and we just didn't. Um, you know, and then the difference in the second half was when we when we had those opportunities, we made the plays, and when we got down into the red zone, you know, we scored touchdowns. So, um, you know, unfortunately, it took us until the second half to get that going, and, you know, it didn't take them that long. So that was kind of the difference in the game. Uh, when you look at the, the season at some point when this kind of settles down a little bit and the pain will be until next training camp when you're able to kind of flush it a bit and get back to work and get ready for 2017. But, you know, this team started 5-7, and seven, then finished 6-2 and two down the stretch. But it seemed like this 6-2 and two team was the team that was expected from the start. It just took a while. But now, I mean, it's always unusual or not unusual, but an unknown going into the offseason how much the, the roster turnover can be. But there seems to be some building blocks here under uh, Jason Moss that you can have, you know, sustained success for hopefully a number of seasons to come. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that I have nothing but confidence in this team and what we're going to do, what we've done in the past, what we're going to continue to do into the future. Um, you know, the, the team's going to be different. We all know that. that this is pro football. Um, you know, guys' contracts run up and, and they end up going elsewhere or, uh, you know, guys get older or younger guys get an opportunity to go down south. So, you know, it's not going to be the exact same roster. We all understand that. But, um, you know, the, the main core of our team um, is what it needs to be. And we're going to obviously grab some pieces in the offseason to replace what will be departing. And Ed always does an amazing job of that. Um, you know, but as as much as my expectations and my goals for this team were to win the Grey Cup, um, we went through a lot. We went through a lot from... 365 days ago, you know, to lose uh, an entire staff and lose a lot of your starters on one side of the ball, um, you know, and to come out here, we're never going to use that as an excuse. Um, You know, we just, we just didn't play good enough today and Ottawa did, but um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about what the future holds for this team because I, I still believe what I believed when we were standing on that, that field holding up the cup last year was that we're built for multiple championships and uh you know we we need to improve there's no question about it obviously today proves that we knew that um we got to get better in some areas for sure and that's going to be the challenge in the offseason is to figure out what those areas are and make sure that we address it and get better um but if we're able to do that like i know that we can um you know we'll be we'll be feeling a lot better this time next year Eskimo quarterback Mike Riley post-game Sunday in Ottawa after the Eskimos' 35-23 loss to the Ottawa Red Blacks in the Eastern Final. Good evening, everybody. Morley Scott in on the final episode of the Eskimo Show for 2016. And uh, in with me tonight is Dave Campbell and Blake Dermott. Hey, guys, how are you? Doing well? Really good. Uh, Blake, uh, let's start with you. Uh, you've seen it so many times, and we talked earlier. I think we were talking yesterday a little bit about it. Uh, that uh, Not winning your last game, I mean, that's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's, it's hard to win your last game, especially in football, because you don't have a series. you got one crack at it, right? And it's a real tough 24, 48 hours because just everything comes crashing to an end when the season's over. Yeah, that's uh, – it's, it's so sudden, and um, – uh, but you know what? The guys that play this game have been playing it for an awful long time by the time they get to the professional level. And, uh, you know, I, I was throwing out some numbers to you, and I think there was uh, in... I've been involved in the sport since I was 15 years old, and uh, so an awful long time. And uh, 40, 40 years, roughly. And in that time, I've been involved with teams that have... And I've had a really good life in football. Um, I've been involved with teams that have uh, fin- uh, won their last game something like seven times. 
and uh, that's an awful lot of failure. And and that's been a good career, you know. Yeah. So, and we talked about guys that you know. There's 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 the history books are written with guys that have got 11 Grey Cups or 12 Grey Cups, and you know, they've gone on and been managers like Frank Morris. I think had six as a player, and then then with he was with the Eskimos five in a row, and you know, so he he ended up with something like 13 or 14 of the, of the things. <laughs> but there's so many guys. The the majority of the guys will go through their whole career and. Most of them will never get to a championship game, whether it's high school, college, or pro. And uh, um, and the thing I always uh, say is that uh, if you know if you looked at your football career like a, a relationship, and you knew you were going to fail ninety plus t- percent of the time, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, it, <laughs> you know, is that it, something that you would be chasing? No, and, thanks. It's it's, well, it's what these guys do. Yeah, two examples for you. Last year, Calvin McCarty, you know, he played in the league ten years. That was the first Grey Cup he played in. On Sunday, Jerome Messam is going to play in his first Grey Cup game. I mean, he's been the best running back in the league for probably three years, and he's been a really good player for a lot longer than that. Yeah, and uh, he's kind of spun the wheel in the CFL, and he just hasn't landed on the right team at the right time. I mean, he's he was in BC. They won a great cup. Well, he was in the league, but not while he was there. And, you know, he's been in Edmonton. who's won a great cup while he was in the league, but not while he was there. And, and you know, he's been in Saskatchewan. Same thing. Uh, Montreal. I don't think Montreal won while he was in the league, but still. And then uh, now, finally, with the Calgary Stampeders, he's getting to the great cup. It's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it is. And, you know, when you talk about Calvin McCarty and how happy he was last year winning, uh, his first Grey Cup championship, you know, after ten seasons in the in the league, uh, yes, or on uh, Sunday in the locker room, he's crying. Yeah, like he's he's that emotional, and I don't know why, but clearly the lot losing sucks. You know, losing is is very painful, especially when you're that close. And how many times have we have, we have heard athletes say, "You never know when you're going to get back there. You never know how many times you're going to have this opportunity." So it's special, and you have to really relish it and take it. You know, take it real seriously and and seize the moment and enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, for a player who won last year, those guys that won last year, you know, and we saw it. We were up close and personal with those guys. You know, it was such a big high to go to such a big low. It's a, quite the stark contrast. Yeah, you know, in the uh, again, you know, I look back in my career. I think we played in a nine Western Finals or ten Western Finals, and. Uh, and even you know with that, that's that's great. And in, in the in the 14 years, but we we only made it to five Grey Cups. Mm-hmm. So it's and then we only won two of them in my time. So it is a very difficult thing. People say it's a nine-team league and it should be a lot easier to get there. It's it's really not. It's a uh, uh, a bunch of things have to happen. I think you have to have luck. You have to have no uh, little or no injuries, and uh, and you got to be peaking at the right time. Well, the Eskimos had. I think two of those, two of the, of the three things. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how much we we talked about this uh, at halftime about how uh, how much that injury that uh, that Riley had may have impacted his his want to get downfield and extend plays. You know, and uh, and that may have affected. Uh, you know, so and then of course they got unlucky with the weather. Yeah, Jeez, that was just. You Terrible. can't you can't practice for that, right? right. Well, that was the question yesterday when when guys are being interviewed. Is it like, how do you how do you get ready for that? You can't, right? There's no way you can't replicate that. And if you do get that kind of weather, you move practice indoors so you can get your work done. Right? I yeah. think Jason Moss said you 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 can only practice with what you're given. They weren't given that weather this year. Yeah. They weren't. Not and even if close. they were, they probably, like I said, would have gone indoors because yeah. you, it's hard to get your work done. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, how many games in, in, in? I know the CFL is, you know, it, it, it's just loved for many things, and one of them is for the snow games, right? The the '96 Grey Cup, the game on Sunday. How often does that really? The '93 West Final. 
How often does that happen, though? Yeah. It doesn't well, happen as often. Jason as you Moss think. said twice in his career he's played in one and now he's coached in one. Like Sixteen that. years yeah. for him. How yeah. about you, Blake? How many of those you played in? Well, I was in '96 and '93, and uh, uh, we played a well, not not a. Uh, um, not, other great cups were indoors. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the one in Calgary was outdoors, but I think it was plus three that day. That '93 yeah. Western Final. Um, now it, it doesn't happen very often. It didn't happen very you often. You get more cold games and you get snow games yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, that was tough. I, even from like I mean that was the hardest game I've ever had broadcast because you you can't see the the yard markers, you can't see the lines, you don't yeah. know where the ball is. The guy receives a pass, you don't know what yard line he's at. You know, it's it was is a tough day for everybody involved. It's, it's too bad. And again, I, I it's kind of cool. Everyone says it's kind of cool, and it's all. Oh, it's Canadian football, right? Let's yeah. It sucked. I mean, it took it it <laughs> it, it, it took the, yeah. the the ability for players to do what they do best away in the, their most important game of the season, at least for the Eskimos. Next week, obviously, for Ottawa is their most important game, and that's what I don't like about it. And that's why I'm a big proponent of just moving it back two weeks. Yeah, right? um, two week two weeks ago in Ottawa it was 15 degrees on Sunday. Right? Yeah, I see. I don't have a problem with it because. Because the, the the teams have to play in wind, like they did the week before. They have to play in in rain, like uh, you know the Eskimos played a number of games this mm-hmm. year in, in you know really bad rain. So mm-hmm. I think uh, playing a game uh, in in snow um, that really that really shows you who the the best team is, the team that can make the adjustments, the team that has the players that can make the adjustments, and and obviously Ottawa was able. To, you know they had the same yeah. conditions. They played in they they adjusted to it better. No doubt about it. Yeah. 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 For sure. So I I don't know. I just think it's the most important games you play are in the worst weather conditions in the CFL and I think they could help themselves out a little bit by just moving the schedule two weeks the other direction. Well it was pretty clear. It's I mean, never going to happen. Y- no, no, it's never. Well we uh, had an awful lot of snow in October so I mean, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> that true. is true. That is true but you know it really neutralized the air attack for the Eskimos for most of the game. Yeah. Darrell Walker had six catches targeted 12 times. Darius Bowman had three catches, targeted uh, eight times. Brandon Zilstra had three catches, targeted six times. Uh, And you look on the other side of it, I mean, the, the catch ratio for the Red Blacks was outstanding. Yeah, they adjusted. They caught the ball and they got the run game going too, especially in the first half. All right, uh, still lots to talk about. It's coming up to seven twenty with Blake Dermott and Dave Campbell. I'm Morley Scott. You're listening to the Eskimo Show on six thirty. Chet. You're listening to the Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio six thirty. Chet. Yeah, we blew a huge opportunity. there was no doubt in our mind we were going to win this game and we were going to go repeat and, and make history doing it, coming through this side. So uh, just uh, a really missed opportunity. That's J.C. Sherrod, postgame on Sunday from uh, Ottawa. Uh, he called it a missed opportunity. Uh, do you guys agree? Was that uh, how, did, how does this game and this season go down for the Eskimos? I mean, they I think they should have been the favorites going into the football game, probably should have won it. They're probably a better team than Ottawa. They weren't on Sunday, but they probably are. You look at their records, look at the big picture, they're a better team. Is a missed opportunity? Well, I think so. Um, I think that uh, um, they... They were, uh, in, in, uh, by everybody's opinion, the, the team that uh, was the favorite going into this game. Um, you know, though, that uh, I, Rick Campbell's a pretty darn good coach, and uh, yeah. I have a lot of respect uh, for Mark Nelson, the defensive guy. And, uh, you know, uh, 
He, they, they had a considerable amount of injuries this year, uh, more than what Edmonton had. They had more players uh, on the roster. So, so they were sort of in the same situation, even though they lost their last game before going into the playoffs, but they, they rested everybody. And, yeah. uh, um, I think they were kind of getting better and peaking as well, but it didn't look as, 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 as obvious as Edmonton because their record wasn't as good. But mm-hmm. they're, you knew they had good personnel. I mean, both of their quarterbacks were, if, if one struggled, I, I was, I was going to say that the worst thing that could have happened to Edmonton was that Burris got hurt and, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we Harris saw that week one, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it kind of felt like a John Huffnagel speech again at the uh, you know back in the 08 Grey Cup. You know, we're facing the Edmonton Eskimos. They're the favorites. They've won six of their last seven games. You know, they they finished with a better record than everyone in the Eastern Division. We are eight nine and one, and we're at home. Men, we got them right where we want them, <laughs> and that's what it felt like. The Red Blacks were saying, yeah, it, they were very reserved. I noticed in the uh, in, in the Saturday news conferences, but you could tell just look, the looks on the faces, and you know, you just felt all all they need is one win at home. Doesn't matter that they were two six and one at home, lost three straight, won two of three down the or two of five down the stretch. We got them right where we want them, and that's at home at TD Place, where they feel that they have a big advantage. Didn't happen for some reason during the regular season, but. They just needed one win, and they got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're on to the Grey Cup. We'll talk about the Grey Cup uh, in the second half hour today and get our predictions and, and talk about the matchup between Ottawa and uh, the Calgary Stampeders. There's a clear rivalry, though, and I think like a lot of the Ottawa people said, it's not about revenge. Yeah, it's, right. it's about revenge, I think, for <laughs> Ottawa on, on Sunday. They were, uh, they, were, uh, they were pretty determined to beat the Eskimos, I think. Uh, second half hour, we are uh, going to hear from maybe head coach Jason Moss. Uh, we'll talk about the Grey Cup. We'll talk about maybe what lies ahead for the Eskimos. Who do we think will be back? What do they need in free agency? How do they have to improve uh, the football team? we got something on the text line 2636.30 asking us to talk about a one-division CFL and if that would make things better in the Canadian Football League. I'm a big believer in that, but nobody else is, I don't think. Uh, we'll talk about all that when we come back. We'll head to the newsroom and be back after that with more on the Eskimo Show on 630 Chet. This is The Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Now we're wrapping it all up tonight on The Eskimo Show. Morley Scott in with Blake Dermott and Dave Campbell joining me uh, tonight in studio to uh, talk about the season that was, and more importantly, I guess, the season that is over for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, We'll uh, turn our attention right now to uh, the changes we expect to see happen. And I think the only thing we know for sure is Darrell Walker's not going to be back. I mean, uh, we saw what he did over the last two years. Uh, he's an electrifying receiver. Uh, up until Sunday, we never saw him drop many balls. Uh, he had a tough day Sunday for sure. Maybe Buffalo and Green Bay might scratch him off the list after that game. I don't know. Half the league said no. <laughs> but, but still, he's, he's a great football player, and, and uh, we're going to be watching him Sunday afternoons next year, I think. He's certainly going to get an opportunity. He, yeah. uh, you're right. Like he, he came really out of nowhere. It took him uh, half of a season almost to get on the roster, and then when he got on the roster for 12, 12 games, and, and he just exploded. And uh, uh, and that 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 pairing between him, uh, uh, you know, the two guys, Bowman and, and yeah. Walker, were. We're electrifying, you know, and they set a record as far as uh, having the most yards between two receivers on a team, and 
it was fun to watch, and it's going to be, uh, you know, like, yeah, that's why guys come to this league for an opportunity, for a chance, and, and uh, um, the Eskimos will find somebody else, and I think they might have found that person in Brandon Zilstra. Yeah, exactly. Brandon Zilstra uh, is going to step, and he was kind of the, the mini Darrell Walker story this year from last year. He didn't get to start till about, I think he played six games plus the playoffs, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Walker got in after six games last year and had a lot more time to work, but Zilstra, I mean, he, he is, he is, you look at him and you think, He's maybe he's you know because he's big and he's doesn't he's not plotting but he doesn't look as fast as he actually is but yeah. he's got real good speed real good hands and uh, I know Jason Moss talked about it yesterday he's excited to see him for a full season in mean, he's got uniform he's got a brain too he's got a high football IQ yeah and you can tell you know you can tell by he's not he's fast he's not the fastest receiver you'll ever see but he's good at breaking down a defender and knowing uh, you know about route running and uh, you know where to be on the field to get open I mean he's very smart and very savvy young player I would love to see him on the clock because um, uh, you know talking with Ed Hervey about him earlier this year he said that he's he's got legitimate speed he's yeah. as fast as any other guy in the team like he's he's he said he can run four three four four forty and he just but he's like you said he's a big guy kind of looks like he's loping but boy I, 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 when he gets behind guys people don't run him down many years ago a six foot six 220 pound uh, defenseman told me Big guys always look lazy and slow. Doesn't matter how fast we are, everyone thinks we're lazy and slow. Because four strides, they're at center ice already. And, you know, it is is kind of that situation with football players, with hockey players. If If you're really big... Uh, you don't look as fast, right? You don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nobody looked as fast as Todd Marchand, right? When you when you think about hockey, he's just a little guy. He's moving fast, right? But there are big guys who are just as fast. And Brandon Zilstra had great speed, uh, and his hands, I think, are what impressed everybody. I remember the talking to Mike Riley the the day of his first game, and he just said, Riley just said, I remember him from the first day of our Florida minicamp, and I said, Who's that number? Whatever he said, right? And and they told him about him. He said he's good. He's got good hands, and everybody talks about he was. He was good. Uh, he went to a, um, a free agent camp in Arizona, uh, and the Eskimos then took him to the mini camp, yep. and then they signed him and brought him to main camp. And he impressed everybody and got better as he went along. Now he's got, you know, half dozen, seven games under his belt. Uh, uh, sky's the limit for him next year. I remember sure. Ed Hervey talking about how he uh, he noticed or signed Brandon Zilstrom, brought him to mini camp, and it was at that free agent camp in Arizona. And he said, I was, you know, talking to people, and I kept looking over, and this certain player kept catching everything. Then all of a sudden, he looks over, and it was a very low catch around, or low, low, uh, low thrown ball near Zilstra's knee. He one hands it, and he says, Sign him, he's coming to mini camp, and then the rest was history. So <laughs> there you go. But uh, he is arguably, arguably the best player ever in the CFL from Spicer, Minnesota. As well. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Yes. Uh, the receiving core, I think, is going to look different next year. Uh, Walker won't be here. You know, and he might not make it in the NFL, but he's certainly going to get a chance. At the earliest he'd be here, it'd be September. But mm-hmm. I think he's yeah. got good enough speed, and he'll make enough catches in preseason that other teams will be interested in seeing film on him. Uh, but uh, I don't know if uh, Chris Getzlaff will be back. I don't know. I think he signed only a one-year contract. Yeah, I doubt, and, I doubt Chris Getzlaff will be here next year. And I don't know if he'll return. Corey Watson, I'm not sure if he's a free agent or not. Um, but there's a lot of... There's there, there could be a lot of changes, and, and receivers, you can find receivers, right? That's I th- yeah, I thought Corey Watson actually had a decent yeah. game. Uh, you know, made some catches, got some good yards after the catch, and and, uh, and Getzlaff had a really good game, I thought, too. You know, this touchdown, it was it was interesting, because you, you made the comment about you don't know if he's going to be back when he caught that touchdown pass. He made sure he kept that ball, <laughs> and I'm thinking, maybe this is my last game, this is my last, well, certainly it might be the last one I ever catch, so in a, great, yeah. er, in a playoff game, so that was interesting to see. 
But, uh, you know, they, they were missing Nate Kuhorn too. So yeah. uh, I, I don't think that the Eskimos receiving core is the biggest area that they're going to be no. needing to, to, to shore up. Uh, again, uh, they lost a lot of people on the defensive side of the ball at the beginning of the season. I think that's where they really got to try to, you know, make sure that they, they concentrate their efforts. They need a return guy. Um, I think they kind of struggled with trying to find somebody. It's been a while since they had a real dependable return guy. Right. Even Kendall Lawrence was, was um, he was good. He was serviceable and he did a great job and what made him more valuable as a returner was the other things he could do as exactly. well. But I don't think he had that lights out speed. He didn't have that breakaway speed. He, you know, he, he returned a couple back, I think, yeah. touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But yep. he, if you examine his numbers, he was average. Yeah. Right? They, they need a guy who can really be scary when he gets the football. And they haven't had that guy for a lot of years. No, I think the last returner that you would, you know, that fit that description was Winston October. But, you know, that was near the end of his career, and he was still pretty good. I mean, that we're talking early 2000s, right? Uh, ever since then, I mean, it's been such, it's been a crazy turnover. And when the best thing you can say about your return game, and this isn't a knock against Jason Moss, but when the best thing you can say about your return game is, well, they catch the ball and they don't put it on the ground, Yes, check, and that's very important. There's no question, but nothing much was done after the returner would catch the ball. Part part of that's on the returner. Part of that is the people in front of them aren't good enough either. So, you know, people want to say and point to the defense and say that was the worst phase. Uh-uh. Outside of Sean White and kickoff cover, which actually was number one in the league, special teams was dreadful this year. Yeah, they had a tough year. Had a tough year. And I know, Blake, we were talking uh, – I don't know if it was post game or half on uh, on the kick return on Sunday that the uh, the ball kind of got kicked to the wrong spot and it, oh on the uh, onside on, punt on uh, yeah Tristan Jackson's uh, punt return yeah, yeah well uh, and and I think uh, Shaw struggled in the game uh, you know another one of those guys uh, mm-hmm. I didn't like whenever you're kicking off or when you're punting you want to you want to you put the team so you don't don't have to cover the whole field so you never want to put the ball down the middle of the field you want to put it. Right around the numbers, and uh, that punt, he dropped it right on the hash, maybe slightly uh, towards the middle of the field, and they were going short kick to the hash, to the, to the sidelines, and so they bring two guys from the field side to run over there, and then he kicks it and allows the guy and to run right back to that eliminated spot. two players. Yeah, it eliminated two guys, and and even on his kickoffs, the ball where they had the camera behind him, you could see the ball going right down the middle of the field a number of times. And yeah, I think he had a tough game, but he wasn't the only one. And, no, and, absolutely and, not. Yeah, you know, with the exception of that punt return for a touchdown, as you said, their special teams were, uh, they were okay. They didn't hurt them until that that particular yeah. play. Yeah, but you got to be better than okay though, right? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, in that kind of a game you do, especially especially in this league when you know you got three downs and you're kicking so much, you got to have something special back there. And we've seen over the years, you know, and you can name all the good kick returners. They can they can change games around in a hurry, not just with touchdowns, but with good field position. Well, you look at the returner that's on one of the teams in the Grey Cup game, Calgary Stampeders, Roy Finch. Mm-hmm. He can set up a team in good field position, and the Eskimos just it didn't didn't happen. I mean, their start position in some games were just. just terrible. Uh, Okay, that brings us to the defensive backfield now, and that's probably (laughs) the spot uh, that was uh, the most troublesome all season long. Uh, They they had a tough time against the pass all year long, and to me, it really jumped out to me in the game on Sunday. The Ottawa DBs made plays. I mean, they separated the football from receivers. There was a couple of big plays that looked like catches, maybe should have been catches, but they got in there and they punched the ball out. They had knockdowns and they made plays. And it's we didn't see a lot of that all season long from the Eskimos defensive backfield. Well, with respect to the, the this past weekend, I think 
part of the reason why the Ottawa defensive backs were able to be in that position was that Edmonton was in second and long and awful yeah. long. You know, mm-hmm. and, and when you're in that position, you know what's coming. They, they, the, the options aren't there. So that that may have helped them look mm-hmm. good. Um, but I think so much of how how uh, how good the DBs are um, from the Eskimos is, is based on the style of play that is dictated by the defensive coordinator. And, and uh, they played an awful lot of zone. They played an awful lot of uh, uh, sending four guys, maybe five guys. Well, you've got five offensive linemen to block five guys, plus an extra running back. So, they they really counted on that front four to be able to put pressure on and to try to 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 uh, uh, affect the quarterback's uh, ability to throw the ball. Uh, when you look at the year before, um, there was guys coming from all over the place. Uh, Chris Jones played yeah. some zone near the end of the season, so that makes your DBs play look better because the ball's not the quarterback doesn't have time to sign it and throw it down the field. And so, in fairness to the defensive backs, um, uh, I think the style that, that that they played this year was different. Um, but having said that, if that's what you're going to play, you got to get better defensive backs or guys that can play within that style and be yeah. aggressive. And and I didn't think that they, they the Eskimos had enough of those guys this year. Uh, they sure miss John Ojo, obviously, yeah. who had uh, a terrific rookie season last year and then ripped the Achilles uh, in training camp. They sure missed Aaron Grimes, who is a, is has been released by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we don't know what his status is. I heard he might be getting back on the practice roster in Philadelphia, so his NFL dream might still be alive. But, uh, I mean... If somehow you can add Aaron Grimes and John Ojo, uh, then Gary Peters came along quite nicely, I thought, during the season. Then all of a sudden you got the makings of, of rebuilding a little bit. Don't know the status of Pat Watkins and Marcel Young. Watkins was injured all season long, really fought through a lot of stuff, missed a couple of games, missed a couple of half games. Uh, Young had a tough year. I think we all know yep. that. Uh, so that might be the spot where there could be some changes coming up. Well, they were targeted a ton, Marcel Young and Pat Watkins, especially Marcel Young. Watkins had like he led all. I think he led all DBs and tackles. He's like in the seventies. He had linebacker numbers. Which is yeah. not good. Yeah, <laughs> it's not good. Uh, you know, I mean, he was an all-star two years ago. He had forty-three defensive tackles, no interceptions, but he was. It was a reputation, I think, pick too, because no one, no one, no quarterbacks wanted to throw to Watkins Island mm-hmm. because it you just it, it was just nope, no, no, yeah. no dice there. Then it sort of started last year where you saw Watkins and Young targeted more. And we're all going, hmm, that's strange. And then uh, this year was just like the, they, I mean, you knew exactly where def- or offensive coordinators were targeting. Um, it was to that side. And I think in fairness to Watkins, he had a much better, or not much better, but a better year than, than Marcel Young. Marcel Young struggled. He struggled with receivers with speed, struggled with physical receivers, thinking of Manny Arsenault and Ernest Jackson. That being said, Marcel Young had a couple nice defensive plays on Sunday when he actually looked back to the football like you're supposed to. Um, but overall, I thought Young had a really tough year. Court Parks got better when Brandon Thompson came around, and that settled him down. He was playing his natural position at, at field corner. Neil King got better as the year got all you know got uh, longer so but they need a probably they, they probably need a couple cover guys I think uh, King and uh, Muamba are probably okay at safety to return and I think Brandon Thompson ended up being their best DB yeah. and after that you don't know what's going to happen no um, you know you, I wouldn't be surprised Pat Watkins might retire maybe I I, I don't know yeah. and I, I don't know I know inside information but I mean it was a tough year for him a very physical year for him and he was battling a knee injury and I, here's something to throw out there. Uh, Pat Watkins, based on his size, okay, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he still has decent speed. Yeah. Uh, but he battled with some injuries. Uh, he's a big, tall guy, six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. Like he's yeah. tall. Uh, how big was uh, um, number thirty-seven last year? Uh, 
uh, linebacker. Oh, the Foster. Oh, the Foster. No, or no, Dexter McCoy. Dexter McCoy. Oh, Dexter McCoy. Yes, it, it, like he's almost forty-five. Forty-five. Sorry, yeah, that's sorry. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're moving him into that spot. I'm wondering if that, that if that's a possibility because that that becomes like a linebacker. I mean, yeah. Obviously, you can tackle. He had seventy tackles. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. And then maybe you can move Kenny Ladler to a DB spot. Maybe potentially because he I, had a pretty good year at that spot. I thought. But if if Kenny Ladler, like if they lose, uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier, possibly Dion Lacey. We're not sure what his yeah. contract status is, but then maybe that uh, Ladler takes over a position like that and 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 I mean I don't know I, it's it, he he's a big enough body and he's still got good speed yep. and he's not afraid of the physical part and I'm wondering if that's something that uh, they might even consider and, and he's a good guy too people seem to enjoy him uh, and and I know the coaches liked working with him and everything so yeah that's a possibility for sure he, he is a free agent though so yeah he is a free agent too well uh, maybe we'll talk more about that and the Grey Cup when we come back it's uh, coming up to 7:48 it's the Eskimo show on 6:30 Chet. You're listening to The Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Uh, we got about six or seven minutes left uh, on uh, in the Eskimo season. This is the final Eskimo show of the year. Free agency is going to hit in about a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I think we, we've we all agreed uh, the Eskimos need a return guy. Uh, they need a couple of DBs. They probably need a linebacker. And maybe need to bring in a receiver or two as well. So, oh, one receiver one, we didn't talk about. Yes. Liddell Hazelton. Yes, I think he factors in next year. Yeah, that's uh, very true. Yeah, he yeah. He, he signed, didn't uh, didn't play, uh, but uh, certainly has the tools. I mean, he had a great year last year. Sure he was, did. They had the the big three, right? And then mm-hmm. they released the big three all at the same yeah. time, and uh, they kind of dispersed around the league. So, yeah, he'll be a factor for sure. All right, let's let's move along. Uh, the Red Blacks and the Stampeders uh, playing in the Grey Cup on Sunday. Do we really need to even watch this? Like, is there any chance whatsoever? Uh, Blake, I know who you have to pick. You've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. You've been saying all through this run by the Calgary Stampeders, you've been saying they won't win the Grey Cup. Yeah, well... Are you uh, changing your mind? (laughs) After watching that game this weekend, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, you know what? Um, Again, uh, you got to play the game to figure it Mm -hmm. out, to, to decide it. And... uh, there's something about Henry Burris. You know, they, they, that team in Ottawa seems to play better when they've got a chip on their shoulder, and we saw that this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Henry has got, he's got such a big chip on his shoulder about everything. Uh, going into this game, you know, his time in Calgary, you know, his uh, n- no respect, uh, a whole bunch of things. And they, you know, they're going to be the team that is the most relaxed coming in there. And I think Calgary is, you know, they 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 still are looking at, you know, winning every. Everybody's saying they're going to win by a lot, and and uh, it's going to be over early. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Ottawa puts up more of a fight than people think. Um, then having said that, it wouldn't surprise me if Calgary's up by 30 <laughs> points at the half. So yeah, if they play yeah. like they did on the weekend. There isn't, you know, there isn't anybody in any league that's going to beat them. But I just got the, there's some something magical about Ottawa this year. Been there twice, two 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 great cups mm-hmm. in three years. You know, I just you learn more from losing than you do from winning, and they lost one last year. Yeah, I I love you. You talk about Henry Burris. I just I just love watching him work. I, I don't mean on the field. I mean off the field. Like he sat down at his media conference in Ottawa uh, the day before the game. Huge smile on his face. He was polite. 
He answered every question, and he just ripped people to shreds with a smile on his face. Like he even he even he even uh, threw flames on the on the Red Blacks for doubting him earlier in the year and and going with Trevor Harris. I mean, he he he's got a massive chip on his shoulder. He's a hard guy not to cheer for because he's so likable. You know, he comes up to Dave and and me and David as he's walking out and says, "Oh hi," and he shakes his hand and like he's just such a nice guy. I remember last year in Winnipeg waiting for him to go in a press conference. I was in a hallway with him. I had to go out and do a report or something and he was just sitting in a chair waiting his turn. We talked for about seven or eight minutes and it was the day after his he went off for a half an hour and I said, I just love what you said yesterday and he started going off again but he does it all with a smile. He does it all politely and he says it so nicely and you go, you know what? He's right. He's right. Why do people not like Henry Burr? Smearing Hank. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's hard not to cheer for uh, and especially since he's playing Calgary, he's easy to cheer for for I think everybody up here. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I Calgary's going to win, you think? Now, are you saying that now, or are you um, waffling a no, bit? No, I'm, I'm. Well, I, I, I guess I am waffling because they are, they're, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're good. But it, I, I still, I, I mean, my heart's with Ottawa yeah. in this game. I, yeah. I really hope that they, uh, they uh, play well. And it isn't because I, I, I hate the Stampeders or anything like that. But I, I hate the Stampeders and everything. Like that. <laughs> and everything like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely put. Nicely put. Uh, Dave, what's your call? I think it's the Stampeders. I think the Red Blacks have the capability of making it a good game and maybe, yeah, pulling off an upset. They were there a year ago. Uh, it's a veteran team. It's a team that plays really well together. But the Stampeders are such an efficient, well-oiled machine. They don't beat themselves. Does they this, have an all year. Does this have a feel, the same kind of feel that the uh, Patriots-Giants Super Bowl had a few years ago? When the oh, Patriots were on Oh, shut up. And everybody, uh, <laughs> sorry, Dave, and everybody, everyone, you know, there's no way anyone's going to beat the Patriots, and the Giants went in and beat them. Yeah. It's kind of it, got that it could. To, it to me a little bit. Uh, because it, Eli Manning was also the quarterback that could do nothing uh, as yeah. well, and he had... Yeah, well, good game. we'll see. I, I think, I think Ottawa's, they got a puncher's chance. If they have a good start, I think they'll be okay. But, I mean, Calgary, so, I mean, they didn't play for two weeks, right? Yeah. And the week before that, they didn't play anybody, any of their starters. Uh, everyone forgot how good they were, I think. Oh, they're back in the league. Oh, they're pretty good. I mean, they just came out just, just throwing laser beams. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. Consensus around the table is we're cheering for Ottawa, but <laughs> probably Calgary's going to win, right? So, anyway. Uh, guys, thanks very much. Thanks for your help all season long again, Blake. Appreciate thanks, it, Dave. Uh, thanks, see Dave. you tomorrow. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, that's it Go for to the Eskimo bed. Show tonight, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us all season long for, for Eskimo football and the Eskimo Show. We uh, certainly enjoyed it and uh, happy to provide it for you. Uh, we're heading to the newsroom shortly. That's it for us. Have yourself a great evening. Thanks very much for Kellen Kennedy as well, sitting on the other side of the glass as our uh, studio operator tonight. Uh, good night, everybody. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.